Hi, Timmy Whispers here from Gimme the Hot Sauce Podcast. The two-way V4 features groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam, creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Fuel cell gives you the ultimate energy return, ensuring every step feels explosive and dynamic. Fresh foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort for the entire game. The upper construction features a lightweight textile that reduces weight while remaining supportive and breathable. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way at newbalance.com. Hey, it's Timmy Whispers from Stacey King's Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, three-year, 30,000-mile complimentary maintenance, and America's best warranty. Ensure you can take on any adventure. I'm planning on going river rafting this weekend, and I'm ready to head out on the trails with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. America's best warranty claim based on total package of warranty programs. See dealer for limited warranty details. Complimentary maintenance included Hyundai approved oil and oil filter change, except for electric vehicles and fuel cell electric vehicles, plus tire rotation, normal factory schedule maintenance intervals for three years or 36,000 miles, whichever comes first. More frequent maintenance due to severe driving conditions or conditions is excluded. Offer valid only for new 2020 or 2024 Hyundai models purchased or leased on or after February 1st, 2020. See your Hyundai dealer for further details and limitations. Hey, we're back. Welcome into a brand new edition of the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. Mark Shanowski, Tim Kelly here in our beautiful Palatine conference room studio. Stacy King joining us from his palatial estate in the uh, near west side. Are you, are, what community are you actually in living in, Stacy? Are you in Chicago or are you in a suburb? I'm in a suburb, Mark. I can't give you out my location. You, you can't disclose that? Popping up. Yeah, I don't want anybody <laughs> popping up in the crib and saying, hey, how you doing? Hey, you're looking good. We got rid of the beard. You you were like a man in, uh, you know, in witness protection or something. We didn't know what you were looking like, but I'm glad you're on the man. You're looking good, Stacy. You know what? I went up to go see the burning bush, and the burning bush said they cut the beard off, going back down <laughs> the hill. So I cut it off, got my little goatee back, ready to go, Mark. Out of the Silver Fox Club. No, he's still in. He's got the goatee going. Well, I thought you had to have a little more than that. We haven't heard from Kendall since he went to New Orleans. I don't even know if he made it back. No, I thought those ladies clawing at him. And all those ladies throwing those uh, bloomers at him. I don't know what was going on down there. <laughs> the bloomers. And Whispers, you were out of town too. Uh, what's uh, what's up with you? Great town of Indy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's one of the Nap town. little towns. But yeah, it's, <laughs> but it's, it's actually a really nice little town. I mean, everyone just hangs out in the same areas. I uh, uh, got to meet a future guest I think we're going to have on, Theo Riddick. Um, Former Notre Dame star, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's a super good. friendly guy, just hanging out, having some cigars. And uh, so I had a nice chat. He's working on some VR football stuff, which I think uh, Stacy and I would definitely be interested in. Stacy, you see Whisper's shirt? He's got a NASCAR shirt on. I mean, what's going on yeah. there? No, that's F1. Yeah, I was getting ready to say, it looks like a NASCAR shirt. Two time world champion from. The Yankees from are getting $25 million to put a patch on their jersey. What are you getting for wearing that? 
Uh, nothing. I had to pay for it. So it's not a good deal. <laughs> Did you check out the NASCAR when it was in Chicago, going through the streets? That was kind of wild. Was kind of wild. The TV coverage was nice. It was too bad it rained like it did. Yeah, the, the floating tire is a uh, iconic image now from <laughs> from the first NASCAR race in Chicago. But I guess the reviews are pretty good, so they'll probably try it again next year. We are taping episode 137 on a Thursday evening. The Bulls played their fourth summer league game this afternoon. They actually grabbed the lead in the fourth quarter, but they couldn't hang on down the stretch. They wind up losing to the Cleveland Cavaliers 87 to 83, which means they'll go into the consolation bracket. They'll get one more game before they head back to Chicago. It was poor shooting that did the Bulls in in this game. 34% from the field, 20% from the three-point line. And Stacy, at this point, Dalen Terry is a guy that Bulls fans were wanted to see this, uh, you know, see some development from him, and he really shot the ball poorly during these first four games. You don't want to make any conclusions from summer league, but it's kind of a continuation from what we saw from him as a rookie. He really needs to smooth out that jumper and be more of a threat from the outside. Well, you know, this is really his rookie season. I mean, he didn't get to play Harley at all last year. And this, you know, was very evident in the summer league, you know, just getting a feel for the game, especially at the point guard position, uh, getting his teammates involved. He did some nice passes out there. You know, he's going to defend. Um, so he's, it wasn't all bad for him, but the shooting has got to get better because um, teams are going to back off of a mark and dare him to shoot that ball. He's got to be able to knock down some shots, maybe start shooting from the corners, the short corners, and then work your way up. Yeah, looking at his percentages from the four summer league games, he's shooting 27% from the field, 22% from the three-point line. You know, he's doing some good things in terms of passing, 14 assists, 20 rebounds. He's got nine steals, three blocks. So, you know, he's an active player who's going to be very good in transition. But in today's NBA, is that enough? I mean, it seems, Stacy, that the coaches are always looking for a guy who can knock down that three. And if you're a non-factor from the three-point line, you're going to lose minutes in the rotation. Well, I mean, he still has to be developed. You know, let's not forget that. You know, it, this is his going into his second year. Um, you know, he didn't play at all. And that's really surprising as a first-round pick, not getting any kind of minutes. You know, whether it had been 10 minutes a night, 16 minutes a night, uh, they just could not find a way to get him in the lineup. He played more in the D League than he, you know, the G League more than he played in the NBA League. So he's playing catch-up right now, Mark. And I think that what you need to do if you're Billy Donovan and, and, and the coaching staff right now is, is that, you know, we've got a veteran laden team, basically, you know, you went out and you filled some holes. You got Tory Craig, Javon Carter. You really, you really, really solidified your rotational players. What they got to focus on Dalen right now is what he does best. Find out what it is he does best. He can defend. He's long. He's athletic. He can rebound the basketball. He can push the ball in transition. Um, Focus on those things and develop the shot as we go along. Uh, find a way to get that kid on the floor. You know, match up against, you know, a, you know, a Bradley Beal. When Bradley Beal gets hot or Devin Booker, you, know, you have a luxury of putting that kid in the game defensively and allowing him to, you know, defend because he's way ahead defensively than he is offensively. His defense is way ahead of where his offense should be. But that's all development. So you got to develop that. you got to get confidence, you know, instill confidence in him where he's not afraid to take that shot. Because young players, when you miss, you know, one or two shots and you know that you got a short hook, a short opportunity to be on the floor, uh, that's really tough to play with. I've, I've always told young players when I coached in the CBA, you're not going to get pulled out for missing a shot. Play with confidence. But what you're going to get pulled out for is you can't stop your man and you don't hustle and you don't get back on defense. That's why you're going to get pulled out. And I think they got to kind of instill that kind of confidence in their younger players, especially Daylor. 
Before we get too far along in the show, we want to tease what's coming up. we got a very special guest in our next segment, John Starks, the former guy that Bulls fans used to hate with the uh, New York Knickerbockers back in the, in the early we, 90s. We they loved some, hating him. They had some great <laughs> battles in the 90s, and the irony was, late in his career, he played four games with the Bulls. So we're going to ask him about that. We're going to ask him about playing at Oklahoma State, going up against Stacey Sooners, and a whole bunch coming up. So that's uh, right around the corner. But we want to finish talking about the Summer League and things that are going on in the NBA. One guy who has really caught the coach's attention is the local product from Whitney Young High School, Javon Freeman Liberty. I had a chance to call his games with the Windy City Bulls last year, and this is a guy that's always on the attack. He's always looking for driving lanes to get to the bucket, and during the four games the Bulls have played in the Summer League, he's been their leading scorer. He's gotten to the free throw line. He's also shown a pretty nice touch from the three-point line. We don't know what the status is of Io DeSumo. He's still waiting to decide whether he comes back on the qualifying offer or maybe he gets an offer from another team, but if Io leaves, Stacy is is Javon Freeman Liberty a guy who could step in and grab that spot? I, I tell you what, Mark. I mean, he's looked really, really well in the summer league. He's shown that he can handle the ball. He can play point. He can play off the ball. He can push the ball. He can shoot the ball. He can score at different levels. The problem is, is that the Bulls have too many guards. Yeah. Like. They don't have enough size. And, you know, does he deserve to be on a roster? Yeah, I think he does. I think he deserves to be on the NBA roster. I think he's proven that he can be an NBA player. But in the situation that the Bulls have right now, there's not enough size. And you're, you're going to be a team full of guards again. And you're going to run into teams in the playoffs and in the 82-game season where you're outsized by bigger and stronger teams. The Bulls have to get some size. And it's unfortunate because, again, he's played well enough to get on the get on the roster. Same thing with the kid from Brazil, the little guard, uh, Iago. Iago. Uh, I think that's his name. Iago yeah, Dos he, Santos, yeah. Yeah, he's played well. He's played well to get a, get a look in the training camp. But the Bulls are lacking size. You know, they've got to get some big guys, you know. Uh, I know the rookie uh, from Connecticut has looked well offensively on, on the boards, getting rebounds and playing tough. Um, he's 6'9". You're going to need some more size than that. And um, uh, it'd be interesting to see what the Bulls do because, you know, they're still waiting for that Lonzo Ball exception. And you don't know what they have in store. There's a couple of big guys still out there on the free agent. You got Christian Wood. Um, you got Bianco, Biombo, um, you know, so PJ Washington, which I think would be a great fit for the Bulls because the guy's six foot nine. He's a stretch four. He's proven that he can knock down three. He used to kill the Bulls when we played them. He can knock down threes and he can rebound. So um, these guys are still looking for a bigger payday than what's offered, but everything is drying up right now. There's not a lot of money out there. Teams don't have a lot of money to spend. So it'll be interesting to see what the Bulls do, but I, I think they need more size. Even though Freeman Liberty has played extremely well and he should be on someone's roster and he's going to be in the league. He's going to be in the NBA on, on somebody's team. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen with the Bulls' payroll because if they're going to use that exception, which has not yet been granted from the league, basically they applied for a disabled player exception, which means they could use half of Lonzo Ball's salary for a replacement player, which means they could pay a little over $10 million for a guy and maybe offer that to a P.J. Washington but if they do that, it's going to put them over the luxury tax. We heard AK say at the end of the season that he had the green light to go into the tax if, if they felt they could put a contending team. And I think this is going to be the test, Stacey. If they get this disabled player exception for Lonzo, that's $10 million you can spend on a pretty good player. The question is, will the Bulls do it? 
Well, I mean, they're going to have to take a look at all options because, you know, if you, you're running it back with this core, okay? So by running this back, you know, AK and Mark and, and the front office feels like this team is good enough to win with the players that they're bringing back and then the players that they surrounded them with, going out getting a Tory Craig. I know that didn't move the meter for Bulls fans, but that's a solid pickup. Tory Craig is a, is a proven three-point shooter and a two-way player in this league. Javon Carter has proven, been on a championship team, got big minutes in Milwaukee. He's proven that he can score and, and also get you in your offense. A younger Pat Beverly, probably more offensive-minded at the pro level than Patrick, but you, you've added some really good pieces and now you're just missing one more big. I mean, if you get a you get a solid big that can that can play between the four and five, small ball five. Um, you know, you got to play drumming more. Got to play drumming more this year. You can't you can't be playing 15 minutes a night. Uh, the guy started almost 700 games. You got to get him more playing time in a consistent rotation between him and Vooch. Um, you know, but if you're going to run it back, Mark, I mean, you know, AK's already said, hey, you're going to run it back. This is a team of continuity. This is a team that we believe that can win. And if that's the case, then you got to go out and spend some money. I know Bulls fans are waiting for that to happen. There's no question about it, right? Whispers? Yeah. Open up the checkbook. Well, it's not your money, right? Well, they should uh, avoid anyone who's flopping, though, right, with the new rule? <laughs> <laughs> like Trey Young? <laughs> or LeBron. <laughs> The king uh, of the oh, flop. Oh, geez, he's, he's a master. Took some acting classes out there in L.A. Hey, before we get to oh, other, no. other things about the NBA, <laughs> let's finish up with Summer League. What did you think about the rookie, Julian Phillips? 19 years old out of Tennessee, 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, he had 16 points in their second game. He had uh, 12 points today, but he missed all four of his three-point attempts. I think that he could be kind of an energy guy like a Javante Green and maybe grow into <clears> a, <throat> to a more defined offensive role as he gets more experience. Well, you know, Mark, again, it, it all depends on, you know, development. It all depends on they're going to play the kid because the kid has shown you that he can defend. He's he's more offensive minded. Uh, Derek Jones, Jr. Same kind of athlete, but he can shoot the basketball. He can score. He can score. And, um, you know, he's he's got bounce. He can play multiple positions again. Billy tends to lean more on his veteran players. We've seen it since he's been here. Young players don't play a lot under Billy. And I think that has to change. That has to change this year. You've got to develop those young players. You've got to put those guys because it's been proven in this league. You have, if you have quality depth, you pretty much are going to go pretty far in the playoffs, at least guaranteed second round if you got good quality depth. And you don't know if you have good quality depth if you're not playing the people on the bench. Our buddy Casey Johnson had a chance to talk with Javon Carter, and Javon Carter is fired up about coming home. Of course, he grew up out in Maywood, played at Proviso East High School, and you know, as, as a lot of kids who grew up in the Chicago area, his dream was to put on that Bulls jersey. And, and he's a guy that I think Stacy's kind of not getting enough attention in terms of he shot 42% on threes last year in Milwaukee, and he's a dogged defender. He'll pick you up, guard you 94 feet. He's a guy that gives you something a little bit different at that point guard position, and I think that can really give this Bulls team a boost. I know that AK was on the NBA TV broadcast and he was pretty excited about both Carter and Torrey Craig. Well, Javon Carter was in college was one of the best point guard defensive players in the country. He was a defensive player of the year. 
you know, he was he's a big time defensive player. And then when he was in Milwaukee, he would come in the game for Drew Holiday and change the pace of the game. He'd pick up full court, 94 feet, frustrate your guards, get you out of your offense, destroy your rhythm. Uh, and when, when he started for Milwaukee last year, he did the same thing. Because normally when you become a starter, you don't pick up 94 feet anymore because now you're a starter. Because when you come off the bench, you got to make an impact on the game somehow, whether that's picking up full court or just trying to be the best defensive stopper you can to get minutes. And I, when he went into the starting lineup last year, uh, he was still picking up 94 feet. And I think that's so important for this team because you've got good defensive player like in Alex Caruso that can defend. Now you put him out there with Javon Carter and you're two primary positions are locked down just like when Zoe was there you know you had two lockdown defenders and now you got that with Javon Carter um and not only that he can make threes he's proven that he can shoot the three ball I thought his first year when he came into the league he didn't even try to shoot you know that wasn't his game he was just like I'm gonna be a defensive stopper I'm gonna come out here and change pace and I thought once he got his foot in the door he developed and Milwaukee developed him into a very good two-way player and I think it's a great pickup for the Bulls because there wasn't a lot of options out there unless you want to pay big, big money for Chris Paul or, or someone of that stature. Uh, you get a young kid who's hungry, who's had a chip on his shoulder since he came out of uh, West Virginia. Um, and he's just a Chicago kid. You know, the Chicago kids are built differently, man. They're built differently. Um, they come in, they, they're tough. They play with an attitude. They don't get caught up of playing in the city, you know, and the pressure of playing in the city with all your family and friends, they block that out, man. You know, they come ready to ball. So I expect the same out of uh, JC. We uh, jokingly referenced LeBron James earlier in the show, and LeBron accepted an award last night at the uh, ESPYs. He gave it to himself. He accepted <laughs> his own award. He gave it to himself. Yeah, yeah, for uh, most uh, historic <laughs> accomplishment of the year. And, and, you know, of course, LeBron had those comments after they got swept by the Denver Nuggets that I have to think about my future in basketball. Now, he went out yesterday in front of the big national television audience and said he's got plenty left in the tank, and his agent – uh, Rich Paul said he might play until he's 45. Maybe he'll play with uh, Bronny one year and Bryce the next year. You know, so the story of LeBron James continues. And, and the guy, you know, he's the all-time leading scorer, one of the one of the top two or three players of all time. But the guy's self-love is unbelievable. I mean, I mean, the speech he oh. gave yesterday was was uh, was too much. Aren't you guys? Well, lucky? and that's why. Yeah, aren't you lucky? <laughs> I get to play. Yeah. Well, and and that's why a lot of people don't like LeBron. Yeah. You know, because, you know, not taking anything away from his athletic ability and what he's done in this league and, and all the things he's accomplished. You know, when you got to tell everybody how good you are, you got to tell everybody you're self-anointed, you're the greatest, you're the GOAT. Um, you got to tell people that, you know, then you're not the GOAT. OK, you don't hear you don't hear Tom Brady walking around with seven titles talking about he's the GOAT. You don't hear Michael Jordan walking around saying, I'm the greatest player. You know, that's what your peers say. That's what fans say. You don't have to do that. Your career speaks for itself. When you're when he's done playing, his career will speak for itself. But it's almost like when you when you when you listen to him talk, you know, it's almost like he 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 wants to put things out there. Like when he was going to retire after being swept 4-0. And, you know, he took he took the limelight away from uh, Denver for what Denver did to him. Instead of Stedham saying, hey, look, we got beat by a better team. You know, they that Joker is really the MVP. I mean, you could have pre- – as a leader of this – of the face of a franchise and pretty much the face of the NBA, that was your opportunity to give Denver their respect. 
And by you saying, oh, I'm, I'm thinking about retiring, you know damn well you wouldn't retire because you want to play with your son. OK, so that's not going to happen. You've already made that very clear. And to sit around and just like, you know, yesterday, make an announcement. I'm not going anywhere, you know, uh, like the Wolf of Wall Street. I'm not going. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. You know, that, that that's unnecessary. Like they know you're not going anywhere. You know, we know that you just said that, you know, to basically get attention. And that's I think that's why he rubs a lot of people the wrong way you know, putting the crown on his head, you know, I'm the king and you don't need to do all that, man. Everybody knows you're great. You don't need to do that. You don't need to be, you know, uh, it just makes me, it makes me cringe sometimes. It's cringeworthy. Yeah. And the funny thing was that uh, press conference he had after they got eliminated, nobody asked him, are you thinking about retirement? (laughs) They, They just said, they just said, here's the last question. And as he finished his last answer, he thought, well, how can I get more attention for the next few months? I know. Yeah. I'll drop I'll drop this rumor that I might quit. Yeah. Instead of like yeah. Stacy said, credit to the Nuggets. That they're they you know, they beat us 4-0 and they're going to the finals. Good luck to them, you know? Yeah, that's a guy who definitely took his ball and went home and kicked the other <laughs> toys out of the sandbox all the time. <laughs> and and that's that's again, Mark and Tim, that's why people don't feel the same way about him as they do other former stars. You know, you don't you don't you don't hear, you know, Kareem or Oscar Robinson. You know, there's an argument about who's the GOAT. I mean, you can depending on what era you're in, you know. You could, you could, you know, Will Chamberlain, honestly, if Will Chamberlain played in this league right now, Will Chamberlain averaged 60. He probably would have 150 points, okay? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, guys who, when you when you talk about GOAT, you're talking about guys who changed the game. You know, you know the lane was, was altered because of Will Chamberlain because he was so dominant. There was no dunking allowed because of Will Chamberlain. So, you know, there's so many great, great players that has an argument of being the GOAT. I say scrap the GOAT, the greatest of all time, and just have, you know, like the Mount Rushmore, you know, five of the best players, regardless of the position, these are the five best players that ever played the game. And then you got a second team and a third team. And that's how you do that, I believe. That's what I would do. Hey, before we bring in uh, John Starks, just want to get your quick thoughts on uh, Damian Lillard and James Harden. Harden, uh, it, it seems like they're trying to mend some fences in Philadelphia. He'd rather play with the Clippers. And Lillard is dead set on going to Miami. Uh, the Trailblazers GM said earlier this week that, hey, if it takes two months, it takes two months. I'm going to get a good deal for my franchise. And I, I know we talked about it last, t- last time we were live. And, you know, Lillard is going to have to deal with uh, wherever he gets traded because he's got four years left on his contract. Well, here's the deal. If I'm a general manager, you got four years left. If the trade doesn't help our franchise, because we're giving away a generational talent. So we want talent in return. Yeah, we've got draft picks, Scoot Henderson, and we got, you know, um, the other kid, uh, Shaden Sharp. We've got some good young pieces, but we want a star in return. And if we don't get that, we don't get that. And we don't get a haul that we feel is beneficial to our organization. We're not, I mean, yeah, we appreciate everything you did, Dame. We, we appreciate everything staying in, in Portland, but that was your choice. You, you wanted to stay there. You got paid. You got max dollars. We gave you everything you wanted except a winner. Now, we're not going to mortgage the franchise by sending you where you want because the, the, the general managers in this league, and this is why I have so much respect for Zach Levine, because as of yet, Zach Levine, whose name's always in trade rooms, okay, he's a Rich Paul client. Zach Levine has not ever said he wanted to be traded somewhere. 
afraid me here, or demanded or demand I want to go here. He hasn't done that. And I got a lot of respect for Zach. You know, Zach's a professional. And, you know, these general managers are going to have to start getting control. Brooklyn did it with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. They did it with those guys. They said, hey, we're not going to send you to where you want to go. We're going to make sure we get something back that's going to help our organization and not put us back 10 years. And that's one thing you have with these superstar, really ultra superstar players, because they feel like I can go where I want. So I want to go. I want to go to Miami and South Beach. Sorry, buddy. If they don't got a package, what is Miami going to offer them? Tyler Hero? Nobody really wants Tyler Hero. You know, you, if you if you want to trade Dame, you got to give me Bam out of bio. You got to give me Jimmy Butler. I mean, that's what you're not just going. You're not going. I'm not going to trade you a diamond, and you give me right. jelly beans. Uh, no, they don't work that way. Yeah, the latest trade proposal I saw was Kyle Lowry, two first round draft picks, and the young kid Nikola Jovic. That's all. That ain't enough. No, that no, and, enough. Kyle, and Kyle and Kyle Lowry. Is is past his prime, right? You know, and now the the Jokic the Jokic kid's gonna be pretty good. I saw him in summer league. I really like him. Um, but you, uh, Dame Lillard is is a guy that can still get twenty five thirty points a night. He can change him. But I will say this, Mark. Let's just say that trade happened. That doesn't make Miami a contender. It doesn't make them a championship caliber team because one, they've gotten rid of all their quality depth and they are, are they really good at getting no name players and making them, making them star players? Yeah, they are. But sooner or later, that's going to run out. And what if you don't get those kind of players? What if you don't find a, a Max Truce? What if you don't find, you know, a Gabe Vincent, you know, now your depth is really, really depleted and you're relying on three guys to get you to the finals. Jimmy, which Jimmy hardly plays during the regular season. Jimmy plays about 50, 60 games during the regular season, and then he turns it on in the playoffs. You're not going to be able to have that luxury when you don't have quality depth. You're not going to be able to say, I'm going to sit out 30 games, and then, you know, when the playoffs come, because you'll find yourself being in the play-in game like they were last year along with us. Um, when you got a guy like Damon Lillard, that's supposed to push you over. And if he really wants to win a championship, I don't know if it's in Miami. I think it's more in Philadelphia. Um, I think it's more, you know, in, in a place like that than it is Miami. Yeah, that's going to be the story that takes over the NBA as we wait for a couple of months until teams report to training camp. And when bull season gets started again, you know, you'll see your good buddy Jeff Vukovic in the stands at the United Center. When it comes to insurance for your auto home and business, make sure you contact the king of insurance, our good buddy, nationwide agent Jeff Vukovic. You can reach him at jeffvuk.com. That's Jeff, V-U-K.com. Always the best jingle in the business. Stacy, how the Golden Pipe's doing today? They're beautiful, Mark. <laughs> Nationwide is on your side. Very nice. From his home, Stacey King delivering as always. We're going to take you to the Wayback Machine, the great rivalry Bulls-Knicks in the early 90s. John Starks, the former New York Knick, is next on Gimme the Hot Sauce. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Mel. Bry here. 
Gotta work from home today, cause the whole family caught a nasty- Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... Right. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian. Episode 137 of Gimme the Hot Sauce rolls on. It is now our pleasure to welcome in John Starks. Bulls fans of a certain age remember the battles between the Bulls and the New York Knicks in the early 90s. Some of the greatest basketball that we've seen. And and John, in preparing for the show, I was looking at some clips and that dunk in the 93 playoffs where you spun and dunked it over Horace Grant. That was unbelievable. You still get uh, reminded of that every day when, when you talk to old Knicks fans? Every single day. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because <laughs> because uh, I didn't think nothing of it. Uh, I always say this that I dunked on a lot of lot of people throughout my career, and I didn't know how special it was until I came back to New York and started working for the Knicks. And I can honestly say, everything since two thousand and four, no matter where I'm at, somebody asked me about that play. So that's when I knew it was a special play. John, you know, I mean, he started off with the Knicks question, man. So I'm going to go ahead and keep staying. <laughs> my, my thought, my question to you is, is that when Pat Riley got there, you know, it seemed like he changed the culture of New York Knicks basketball. And, and to play against the Chicago Bulls, it seemed like, you know, Pat felt like the only way they could beat the Chicago Bulls was to play the physical brand of basketball like the Pistons. Talk a little bit about that and what y'all's strategy was against us during that time. Well, that was just how you set the team up. You know, we want to take on the persona of New York. Uh, as you know, New York do have Wall Street down in the lower end of New York, but it's still a blue-collar city. And so we wanted to take on that blue-collar mentality and come out and outwork our, our, our opponents every single night. And, um, you know, when he came here, obviously he's from Schenectady, upstate, but he was known as a hard-nosed player. So he just kind of brought his personality to the team. And the guys that we had on that team was definitely, you know, you know, hard-nosed players. You're talking about Patrick, you're talking about Oak, you're talking about Mace, myself, and I can go on and on. Uh, we just had some, you know, tough-minded individuals. And we know playing against Chicago – and playing against Michael and you guys, that we had to be that type of brand of basketball in order to compete with them. We wasn't built for our offensive game, as you know. Uh, our game was more low post, and uh, myself sitting outside waiting on Patrick to throw the ball back out so I can get some shots up. Um, but, yeah, that's the only way that we could have competed against you guys. You guys were built more on the offensive end of the court, um, even though y'all had some, you know, solid – defensive players, but y'all offense was mainly, you know, Michael, Scotty, and the, and some shooters out there. And so we knew that we had to play a more physical brand of basketball just to compete. People forget in that 93 series, the Knicks actually had home court advantage in the Eastern Conference Finals. You won the first two games in New York. What, from your mind, looking back on the series, changed it in favor of the Bulls after you took the first two? Well, since you want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> we were supposed to, we, we won game two on Sunday and we were supposed to play Chicago, I think, on Tuesday. That game wasn't played until Friday. 
And, you know, that was the whole ordeal about Michael and, you know, Atlantic City and what have you. And for some reason, television, you know, scheduling problems, you know, gave them a chance to kind of <laughs> get their minds, get their minds together. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, it, it was, it was something to that, but whatever. Um, but, you know, we still had to play and we had to go out there and win. And, uh, I thought, you know, if we could have played them when it was supposed to be played, I thought we had the advantage, but, you know, it gave them time to clear, clear their minds. And, uh, and obviously they came out and played a lot better in game three and game four and game five was obviously was a pivotal, pivotal game, uh, in the garden, uh, which, you know, they pulled it out. I thought, you know, Charles Smith got fouled, but it was no foul. Oh my God. <laughs> it was no foul. You, 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 you had two Hall of Famers down there, Michael and Scotty, reaching for the ball. So, you know, it, it is what it is. And they won game five and came back and closed it out in game six. So, uh, it, it was an exciting series. Uh, but, you know, obviously having the best in my eyes. Uh, with Michael on that on that team, you know, made them very special. Stacy, you can let him get away with that. I, I just like to eject your honor. Now, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. The year before, we played them in the second round, and they took us to seven games, and that was a pretty scary thing for us because we had to go to a seven game. Anything can happen in a seven game. The only good thing about that was we were at home. And we ended up winning that game. And, um, you know, but we knew the Knicks were going to be tough. We knew that was a team that we were going to have to focus on, you know, after our, after we won the championship that, that year. Um, and I remember Pat Riley talking about, you know, the way to beat the Bulls, you got to play physical. And if you get home court advantage and they beat us during the regular season, I think they beat us during the regular season, like three to one, or it might even been four Oh, but Phil, Phil would tell us like, Hey, we're not worrying about the regular season. We don't care if they get home court advantage because he felt like we could go into any place and win on the road in a pivotal game. So when they got up two Oh, I'll never forget. They were playing this song, go New York, go New York, go. <laughs> and they were all hype fans all crazy. And we, we went home with our tail between our legs because they really kicked our butt. That two games, they, they beat us down. And, you know, we had those days off, and that really did help. But you weren't going to come into Chicago and beat the Bulls. I'm just going to say, it yeah, was going right. to be two to two. Yeah, right, two to two. right, right. Which it was. Right. History, history, hey, look at the history books. Two to well, two. You, we you, you, you. You, you know the playoffs is about momentum. The momentum was on our side. And y'all was like running – Y'all was all over the place with what was going on with y'all. It was America's so, team, baby. They wanted yeah, to see America's us. America's team. Okay, all right. <laughs> America's team. But I will yeah, say the, this, though. I will, the schedule I will is say supposed this. to go Sunday, Tuesday, I think Thursday or Friday, but it went Sunday, TV scheduling problems. Friday. Come on. Hey, man. listen, I, you know what starts? I don't remember all what, that. You, I, don't you remember, remember. I know you don't remember. <laughs> you, you, you don't know want to remember all none I of remember that. Was, all I remember was <laughs> game five in the garden. Game five in the garden. Pivotal game five. Charles Smith had not, but hey, listen, before that play, Patrick should have got charged because he ran me over and then he lost the ball. That's yeah, right. Like, oh, that should have been charged. And yeah, right. I don't remember and, none of that. Yeah, well, don't go to the tape. I don't remember none and, of that. And, and, 
And uh, and Charles Smith got his shot blocked by like seven times. Seven times. We we was beating it like Michael Jackson. <laughs> Just beat the ball. Wow, wow. And then we wow. came up with the ball. Wow. We wow. came up with the ball. Yeah, right. We came, yeah, up, with you came up with the ball. All right. And you could have heard a pin drop at the end of that game. It was everyone was in shock from New York. Not just the players, but the we fans. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But that, that, that should have been a foul. You know that. Oh, my. <laughs> but you, I'm going to tell you this, though. I'm, I'm going to honestly say this. As a group, the one thing that we, we said about you guys is when you guys, when they didn't re-sign uh, Xavier McDaniel and then they brought Charles in the next year. We honestly thought that was the biggest mistake as players, as players. We honestly thought that was the, the, the worst move that New York could have done because X filled that role of that tough enforcer that could also play. Like He, he was out there getting buckets. He was in yeah. Scotty's head that whole series – uh, most of that series. And MJ had to come in, get in his face and yell at him and get him off of him. But we felt like that was the one piece had y'all kept that that would have pushed y'all. It might have made a difference. I don't know if y'all would have beat us. He probably wouldn't have. But the fact is, we'll never know, baby. It probably would. <laughs> we won. <laughs> yeah, I, I miss X. Yeah, X definitely, you know, X was a rough rider. Yes. Period. You know. He was definitely a rough rider, and he definitely was in Scotty's head throughout that series. And, you know, I felt that we shouldn't have let him go. But, you know, this is what things happen in the NBA. And, uh, unfortunately, he left. And, uh, you know, Charles came in and did his thing. But, you know, X definitely, you know, he, he, was, he was built like us, you know, from a mental, uh, mentality standpoint. Hey, hey, John, uh, we, your name came up a few months ago in one of our podcasts here talking about uh, scouting reports and what you were handed about uh, Jordan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you normally get scouting reports on players and, you know, they show you their strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, you a guy that likes to go right, you jump on his right side and force him to go left. Guy like to go left, you force him, you know, to go right. Or you take certain things away from him. Michael had no weaknesses in his game. And the scouting report was good luck. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> you know, he, he didn't have any weaknesses in his game. <laughs> good luck. So, you know, there's nothing that you could take away from him. You know, he developed a three-point shot. Uh, he was a good low post. <laughs> he was a good low post player. Um, you know, he could take you off the drib- dribble either hand. And uh, he was a great defender. And so uh, that was what made him so tough. And I always tell people this. He probably was the most well-balanced athlete that I didn't play against. Or as, you know, you rarely see him take off-balance shots. And, and, and what made him so special, I think, is his mind. His mind would over, oversee anything out there on the court. And I think that's what made him so special. Before we get into uh, your days playing in Oklahoma, you guys are both Oklahoma natives. I want to ask you one question. How weird was it for you to put on that Bulls jersey later in your career? You played four <laughs> games for the Bulls in the 99-2000 yeah. season. Was that weird, pulling yeah. on that number nine Bulls jersey? <laughs> yeah, it was a little weird. Uh, you know, when I came there, I talked to Jerry Krause, and, and I told him, hey, why didn't you trade me when you was good? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That that team was like pretty bad. 
And, you know, they had some good young players. And uh, Elton Brand, Corey Benjamin, I think, was there. Um, and as well as Ron Artest. And I have to say this. I ran into Ron Artest in practice. It's just like hitting a brick wall. I was like, whoa. <laughs> I, I didn't realize how strong this man was until I ran into him. Uh, but they was they was young at the time. And and I can remember talking to uh, Coach Floyd, and I was telling him, I was like, why is you running the triangle offense? You don't even have the players to even run this offense. And he said, John is in my contract to run the triangle offense. So I, run it. So I was like, wow, this man can't hear he don't have a fighting chance to even, you know, coach the team. So, um, but yeah, it, it was a experience um, that, you know, I look upon and know that I was in in uh, Chicago for that brief period of time. But the fans really welcomed me. You know, you have you heard a couple of boos in there, but most part, you know, the fans of Chicago really welcomed me, and, uh, and they just re- respected my play out there on the court. Like I told them, you know. I got a job to do, you know, so don't take it personal. That's just what I had to do. You know, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, Pat Riley, you know, Miami got a lot of credit this year having like eight or nine undrafted players. I go back to when Pat was in New York, that's where it all started. Pat was the one that would go to the CBA and grab you who were playing in the CBA undrafted. He gets you. He gets Anthony Mason, who was playing in the CBA, and brings you guys in, and you guys developed under him. And that was the kind of start of what we see now in Miami. Talk a little bit about that. And also know that you got hurt and you got hurt in training camp. Your knee or something got hurt. And yeah. you you that was able to they weren't able to cut you while you were hurt. So you ended up staying on the roster because of Patrick Ewing, I think it was, that you you, yeah. you got your hurt. Yeah, talk a little bit about that also. <laughs> well, I was there actually before Coach Riley got there. Uh, so I came in, Mace came in uh, after me uh, when Coach Riley got there. So, yeah, it was like the last day of training camp. And, you know, I knew that I needed to impress the, the coaching staff as well as the organization. And I wanted to be in New York, obviously playing with Patrick Ewing, Charles Oakley, and those guys. So I knew I had to come come in and, and impress them and do something very special. And I mean, I treated that day of practice like it was a playoff game. I mean, I got my rest. I came in focused, and I don't think I missed a shot throughout the whole practice. And it was a, like a breakaway. Uh, and I saw Patrick coming on my left side. I like, oh, this is my chance right here. And uh, so I went up to go dunk on him. And at that time, Patrick could run and jump at that time. So I forgot he was seven foot. And he caught my dunk. I came down, twist my knee. Oh, man, I thought I had tore it up. And he did, too. He felt so bad. And it wasn't until they told me and said, well, we got to put you on our IR. And that means that we can't cut you. I like, oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, big fella. Thank you, big fella. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And again, but talking to Jeff and all those guys later on, he said that we was going to keep you anyway. Yeah, right. Just stay to you, though. <laughs> they didn't yeah. you anything. So <laughs> until you get those that, that pink slip. But, you know, I got a chance to, uh, you know, stay on, on. And I actually was ready to come off because I felt like I was ready to play. And I was about ready to go in, and all the players tell me, "Don't, don't wait to after the, the, you know, till your money is guaranteed. Wait." I like, man, I ain't waiting. I'm out of here, bro. I'm about to go ahead and tell them if they don't bring me off, 
off this IR. I'm out of here. Just let me go. That night, Trent Tucker got hurt. <laughs> that that night, I was getting ready to go in there and tell him. He got hurt. Then I got a chance to come off the next game. And my first game was against uh, you guys and Michael. And so I was so excited. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I, I always watched Mike doing college and I always taped his games and studying them and, and what have you. So I was so excited to go out and play against him. And my first play, when I got in the game off the bench, he tried to post me up and I hit him in the back with a forearm. And he looked back at me. He like, all right, you're going to be calling me Mr. Jordan before the night is up. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up having a pretty good game. And he was going off the court. I ran up to him. I said, you didn't get Mr. Jordan out of me. <laughs> and so that's when the battle started, you know, between me and him and, and playing. But uh, it was a great experience because obviously – you know, as a young player and you seeing guys who you looked up to, you know, while you were in college and getting the opportunity to play against was uh, was amazing. We mentioned the fact that you guys are both Oklahoma natives. John, you grew up in uh, the Tulsa area, born and raised. Stacy was from L.A., the Lawton area. And That's right. uh, did you guys cross paths in youth basketball at any point? No. You know what? Uh, I'm not sure – States. I, I didn't play AAU basketball. My, my, my upbringing was street basketball. I didn't know anything about AAU basketball. I'm not sure if it was even that big back then like it is now. Uh, but, no, I don't think we ever crossed paths. No, not until college. Nowhere now. Not until college, yeah. And how did those games go, Stacey? Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. The same, hey, the same, the same way they went with the yeah. Bulls. <laughs> okay, that's how you went. Okay? So, he, hey, he got, hey, hey, John Starks got a taste of that when he was in college, what was going to happen when he went to the Knicks. So, he got the same result. <laughs> wow. They, they had a squad. They actually had a, a great squad. squad. They had uh, Harvey Grant. Yeah. They had Ricky. They had Mookie. What, what was Ricky's last name? Grace. Grace, yeah, Ricky Grace. They had Mookie, obviously Stacy. They they had the squad, man. And uh, you know, we I just got there because I only had one year of eligibility. And myself and Richard Dumas and uh, Sylvester Kitchen, uh, we had a couple of players that was there, but none to the to the level that they was at. You know what I mean? They was actually, you know, fighting for a national championship. And um, you know, they was a very solid team. But every time they played me. I gave it to him every single time. <laughs> every single time. Hey, I listen, I, I won't deny that. I won't just <laughs> yeah, he, he had deny. good games. He has some good games. I, you know, game recognizes game. But at the end of the day, when the scoreboard's showing, it was either it was getting beat by 25. <laughs> <laughs> we actually had a, a, a pretty close game up in, uh, in Norman. Yeah, I kicked yeah. that bus in, in Oklahoma State. But uh, we definitely had a, a pretty close game in Norman. But no, they that year they went to the national championship and played against Danny Men. Yeah. So you yeah. know, you know what type of team they had. Yeah. We was fighting just to be five hundred throughout the year. So. Well, they did. I will say this: my senior year, we came in number one. We lost in uh, uh, the Iowa Arena. They did beat us. We we had just got done beating uh, UNLV. 
when they were like number one and then we got the number one rank and then we thought we were we were feeling good about ourselves and then we you know their little gym was like a little pocket gym where the, the fans <laughs> are so close to the gym so close to you That's take right. the ball out <laughs> pulling hair on your legs you know pulling the hair on your leg yeah and it, the major distractions down at that uh now, now Eddie Sutton court but it used to be yeah. Iowa arena but yeah, yeah, they used to they used to have a small play. It was a really tough place to win at. Yeah. No, we were that was a fun gym to play in, as you say. You know, because the fans were right on top of you and gave us somewhat of a home court advantage whenever you kinda like what Duke is in yep. in in college. And uh so and the fans get rowdy down there. You know, they love their sports at Oklahoma State. Yeah, college they football. Don't win a lot. College football is right around the corner. They don't win a lot. Big Twelve are yeah. having their uh, <laughs> Big Twelve are having their media do, days right we now. Do okay, sir. We do okay. Sir. We do okay, Dad. And the uh, Oklahoma State coach was talking about 117 years of bedlam, the famous game out the window. What, what do you guys both think about the fact that there Oklahoma... is no bedlam when you win, when you win 91 <laughs> out of 117? There's no bedlam. What are you talking about, Mark? What is it, it, it's still, about? It's, it's still bedlam, man. It don't matter if y'all do win. It's still bedlam. Hey, you know, we hey. we got an opportunity to beat you. That's that's what it comes hey, down to. That's their Super Bowl. <laughs> when we lace them up. That's their bowl game when they play. The Super Bowl. <laughs> You we sound, just you we sound, looking at you the sound like you sound like my boy. You sound like my boy. He's a big Sooner fan. He's See? like, man, that's why I hate y'all, man. Y'all, y'all, y'all live up to this one game. That's yep. I just want to beat us this yep. one time. One time, and they it go is back what it the, is, Stacey. It is. Hey, what listen, it is, man. I like I like the rivalry. I do. You know, because, yeah. you know, Oklahoma, Oklahoma is the number one school in Oklahoma. And Oklahoma State's like five. They're behind Tulsa. Get out of here, please. They're behind please. OCU, Stop Oklahoma that. City University, Cameron, Langston. Langston we, better. We that's, that's why we don't respect y'all, man. That's exactly why we don't respect y'all. Y'all not humble enough, man. You're not humble enough. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Stark. I got it. It's the way it is, baby. It's the way it is. <laughs> No, but that, that's a that's a fun game to be at. You know what I mean? When you know those two teams get together and it is electric. You know, then in Oak in in um, at Oklahoma State as well as at Oklahoma, you know, you get like things to shut down for that game, yep. and that's what makes it so special. So, how's Oklahoma going to do in the SEC playing against Georgia and Alabama and all those schools? You can't yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's hear that. Let's hear that. Let's hear that. What you what you got to say? He's asking you. I already know how no, we going to do. He's asking you. No, he's asking you. Well, you already know my answer. How do you feel? How do you feel? How Let you me tell you something. Being a Sooner alumni, we don't look for trouble, and we show in the hell don't run. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it. Bring it, baby. Bring it. Okay, we gonna see. We gonna see. I'm, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> I'm gonna tune in for those games. I'm gonna get my season subscription up. I'm gonna tune in oh, okay. for those games. It, it's going. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm talking trash now. We ain't played yet. So I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I ain't gonna lie. I'm a little nervous. Alabama, Georgia, uh, LSU. I'm a little nervous. I'm nervous. Yeah, but you know we've been dominating the Big Twelve for many, many years. Big Eight, Big Twelve. Yeah, so it's our league. Is our is our conference now? Oh man! Oh, yeah, man. buddy, it's our conference now. What? What? Is, what? Is, what? Is good good reasons, man. Matter of fact, this is yeah, get on that. Listen, man. we don't need y'all anyway. 
Big 12 ain't even conference now. Big 12 got yeah, BYU, conference. Cincinnati, uh, U- University of Central Florida. That ain't even a conference. Do they, do they lace them up? Do they lace them up every Saturday? If Oklahoma State, if Oklahoma State don't win the Big 12 now that we go oh, on we got Texas, this. We got this. Y'all need, y'all need to stop. We got this. We got this. Just be independent. Yeah, go, man, go you, independent. Act like, you act like we ain't won the Big uh, Big 12 when y'all was there. When? Win. Yeah, 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 yeah. And y'all hey, was crying, hey. crying that y'all came down here and got beat Win. down. When y'all, went to, when y'all came to Oklahoma, in football, <laughs> hell came to Oklahoma State and got beat down, we were number all, one. Everybody talking about, why don't y'all just lose? Why don't y'all first just of lose? All, Man, we ain't trying to lose, y'all. I don't remember Oklahoma State beating anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we came up in Norman and spanked y'all. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, yeah, hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What Hold about up. that? Puff, puff, pass, Smokey. Puff, puff, pass. It ain't never happened, baby. The Sooners yes, don't lose. Yes, we don't lose, Hey, Stacy, we've got the we, we've got the records on the screen right now. Yeah, what is it? 91, uh, 19, and seven in favor of Oklahoma in football. Oh, oh. repeat that for yeah. the people in the back, Mark. 91, 19, <laughs> and seven. Basketball, oh. the Sooners lead one thirty four to one hundred six. Okay, well, it's yeah, been a little yeah, bit closer yeah. over the years. Yeah, 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 yeah. But okay. before, when Wayman was there and I was there, that was not the case. That was not the case. Okay, we was way up when I left. Uh, we we must put some. Yeah, my homeboy, that man. What do you expect? Yeah, that's my homeboy. Yeah, Wayman, yeah. Wayman, Wayman was the reason why I went to Oklahoma. Oh, is that right? Yeah, because no, you're a lefty too. Yeah, you're yeah. a lefty too. Wait a minute, man. <laughs> we got some good old history with Wayman, boy. That's a different yeah, show. Yeah. Lord right. have mercy. Rest uh, when he was at Booker T, did he, ever, did he ever come? They came up to the city, right? When he was at Booker yeah. T. Yeah. Yeah, he came up and played. Yeah. Wayman was Here, here's, something I, here's, here's something I want you to talk to the, talk to our listeners about for kids, because I know your story is an interesting story. You know, you, you, there's a lot of perseverance that you had to go through to get to the point to the NBA. And in today's game, these kids just want to skip, you know, skip things and just want to get there. They don't want to put the work in. They don't want to put the grind. Tell a little bit about your story from high school, how you went to JUCO, went to a couple of JUCO schools. Then you got to OSU, then the CBA. Talk about your journey to the NBA and then where it's led you today. Yeah, it, it wasn't a typical, you know, journey like, you know, most guys that get, you know, go on and have a successful career in the NBA where they, you know, stars in high school, stars in college get drafted and, you know, go on to the NBA. My path was a little different. I didn't play my senior year. Uh, well, I should say I played a couple of games my senior year before me and the coach had a little disagreement and I ended up quitting the team. And um, then just started playing, you know, street basketball. Decided to go, you know, after I graduated from uh, high school, go up to uh, Claremore Junior College. And, you know, I was going to try to walk on up there and got myself in some trouble up there. I had to leave that school, went to Northern Junior College, and I was actually playing. And I can remember hitting the game-winning shot um, when I was there and – going back and partying afterwards and got caught with uh, some uh, marijuana and ended up getting kicked out of school. And so I had to go back home and I had to face the face my mother and my grandmother. And I can remember walking in the house and my mother told me, first thing she said, you had to get a job. <laughs> and so she didn't argue at me. She didn't, you know, say, what you doing, this and that. And you had to get a job. 
And that's when I started working at Safeway, making $3.35 an hour. And while I was there, and I was looking around and, you know, it had some lifers that was in the grocery business and what have you. And I can remember working a jack, you know, to lift up, you know, crates and what have you. And the jack came down on my foot. Oh. And, uh, yeah. And I thought I had broke my, broke a bone in my foot. And uh, the, one of the older guys there said, son, this is not for you. Said, you need, <laughs> you need to get back in school. And sure enough, you know, I decided to go enroll back in junior college into Tulsa, TJC, Tulsa Junior College. And I was there and they so happened to have a, uh, a intramural uh, league. And so I joined that league just to stay in shape. And while I was there, I was, you know, killing it, you know, having <laughs> probably about 35, 40 points a game. And I can remember my coach said that they started a new program called Oklahoma Junior College and Ken Tricky. Uh, who used yeah. to be the coach at yeah. or Roberts, old trick. And, running uh, gun. Running gun, and he was looking for players. And uh, so uh, my coach, uh, uh, Coach Bart, told his son about me, and his son came out and uh, watched me play. He was sitting up in the stands, and I probably had about at least about 45 points. And it was one particular play that said, well, I'm getting ready to impress him. I was at the free throw line. You know, in intramural league, league, they don't know what you're doing. The guys were lined up, and I shot the ball off the back of the basket, jumped from the dollar line, caught it, and turned. And Tricky <laughs> said, yeah, we got to have him. Right. <laughs> and so I can remember coming in the first first day. Um, he said, well, I want you to come in. We got some tryouts. And like, I'm like, I have to try out? He said, no, you ain't tryout. So I, was, <laughs> uh, I go in. They had about 100 people in there trying out. And I looked at him. He's like, no, don't worry about it. You're not trying out. I said, okay. <laughs> then I I ended up playing there and ended up having a successful uh, season and became a junior college All-American. And I only had one year of eligibility because I screwed up my my first two years and the clock is ticking at that particular time. But I only had one year of eligibility at the Division One level. But I could have played Division Two, Division Three, NAIA, and played two years. So, and Coach Hamilton was his second year as a coach and he was looking for players. And Coach Bill Self uh, was my assistant coach, and he was at all my games coming down. And I can remember him telling me, he said, it's between you and this guy at Northern that we're looking at. And so we so happened going to play Northern. I said, which guy is it? He said, that guy right there. I forgot the guy's name. And uh, he was supposed to be a top player. I like, Coach Tricky said, who you got? I said, I got him. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I hit, went out and scored like 30-some points and shut him down to six. Coach Self said, that's it. He called Coach Ham. He said, Coach Ham, I think we got our player. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, even though I had one year of eligibility, Coach Ham, you know, took a chance on me and gave me an opportunity to come in and, and play that one year with my with my homeboy, Richard Dumas. And, uh, and uh, I wanted to make a, you know, make a big splash. And I always wanted to play in the Big 12. Actually, I, uh, I'm going to tell you this. I wanted to play at OU. See, just see. Gonna let you know that. Right? Knew that was coming. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Knew that was coming. We don't let everybody in now. We don't let everybody in. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I grew up on. You know, watching Father and Wayman on to OU. You know, so that's that's why. He was my homeboy. So I liked OU at the time. But when I went to Oklahoma State, all that went out the window. And so, uh, end up having a good year, and uh, Coach uh, 
Coach Brown, who was at Kansas at the time, liked what he saw in me, and they ended up beating. They beat y'all that year. Didn't they? Yeah, I don't remember that. I don't. I don't they, remember. They that. beat y'all. Hey, I don't remember that. They beat y'all with one player. They beat y'all, and y'all had. And, that's, and, that, hey, and you know what? And that same that one player, player beat y'all too. So don't even tell me to go there. <laughs> don't even go there. Don't even go there with that. Matter of fact, fact, he beat everybody ass that year. Yeah, he did. He did. Danny was tough. Danny definitely was tough. They, he had a little crew with him. He had a little crew with him. Um, but yeah, so I, I end up, you know, having a good year. Was um, uh, big. Was it Big Twelve at the time? Big Eight. It was Big, big eight, eight at the time. Big Eight. You know, me and Richard Dumas was uh, freshmen of the year, even though I was like twenty two at the time. <laughs> so <laughs> Big Eight freshmen of the year, right? Newcomers or something. Some day had gave us. And um, but Larry Brown ended up taking a job at at uh, San Antonio that that particular summer, and he liked what he saw in me. He told Coach Self, he said, you know, if I was going to take a job in the NBA, you know, I'd had him out at a, a NAIA school, a Division II school, and take him in the draft. And so I was like, okay. So he and I was getting ready. This how it works out. I was getting ready to go and join Paul Westfall, who coached at Grand mm-hmm. Canyon. And they just won the national uh, NIA championship. So I was about ready to go there. And he ended up taking an assistant coaching job with the Phoenix Sun. So I wasn't going there. And I came back and I told Coach Self once I heard Larry Brown got the job in San Antonio, tell him I'm coming out. And he called Coach Self, I mean Coach Brown, and said, John, coming out. He said, we can't take him in the draft because we already got our draft pick which Vernon Maxwell was a draft. Yeah. But he can come in and try out. And I came in and tried out and had a successful successful uh, rookie free agent camp. And Golden State was hot on my heels, Indiana, a bunch of teams. And so I ended up signing with Golden State because they offered me a guarantee of $50,000. Out of the $100,000 was a minimum. And I told Coach Brown, I said, Coach, I said, if y'all match it, I want to stay here with you. That's a boat. You see me rocking right now? That's a boat coming through here too fast. No way, people, no way. Y'all know the deal. Uh, but, yeah, so, and he said, hold on, let me go talk to my owners and see if uh, they'll match it. They say, no. I said, coach, I got a wife and a son. You know, I want to be here with you for $50,000 to me coming out of school at that time was like more appealing than staying there for $10,000, no guarantee if I was going to make the team or not, even though I felt like I was going to make the team. Um, but I went to Golden State, played there for a year, and we ended up, you know, making the playoffs. And so during the, the summer, I ended up playing in uh, the uh, – oh, man, what's the uh, summer league? Wow, man, I can't think of the tournament that they do in Dallas. But anyway, I played in that, ended up turning my, my ankle up. I was about ready to sign with Indiana, actually. So me and Reggie probably have been playing together. <laughs> Look at that. So, <laughs> so I was getting ready to go to training camp. With them, I ended up turning my ankle up. And uh, Mel uh, – oh, man, I forgot Mel's name. Uh, ended up saying, John, why don't you just come to training camp? I said, I can't play. I cannot play. And so he said, all right. And that's how I ended up in the CBA for a year. And so I was there for a year. 
and I played in the World Basketball League that summer in Memphis. And um, the great Dick uh, McGuire came up and watched me play uh, in Erie, Pennsylvania. I remember him in the crowd. And my agent said, he's coming up here to look at you. And I said, cool. Andre Turner and Vincent Askew didn't play that particular game. So I was going to get shots. I ended up hitting 40. And he's called. He said, yeah, we're going to bring him into camp. I said, okay. <laughs> and so that's how I ended up in New York. Yeah. And then became their all-time ah. three leader. Yes. That's yeah. And I, I became that because, I, you know, Patrick was the black hole. So you throw the ball in, and you know, you do is sit out there and wait till he kick it back out. <laughs> and uh, so I, I always sat around the three-point line. And I didn't really think about, you know, hitting 200 threes in the season. I was the first to do it. I didn't realize that was a record or not. But now look at it. They break that, you know, midway through the season. <laughs> Shoot yeah. threes now. Hey, John, you are a great sport. Thank you so much for giving us uh, all of this time. Uh, congratulations on all your success after basketball and letting us Thank get a you. chance to relive some great memories of uh, Bulls-Knicks rivalries through the years and Oklahoma-Oklahoma State. Stacey, you got any farewell comments? Yes, sir. We're going to send you some hot sauce. See yeah. the hot sauce on the table? We're going to send you some hot sauce. I'll see you in New York, boy. Yes, sir. <laughs> all right, Stace, man. It's good talking to you guys, man. Good luck with the show, all right? Thanks. Thanks, John. John Starks, our special okay. guest on Give Me the Hot Sauce. We're going to talk about the big controversy in Northwestern when we come back. You know, a lot of people are listening to Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast, and they love Tim Kelly's impersonation of Christopher Walken. I mean, we're seeing – now they're sending videos to Stacy <laughs> with clips of people doing their best – Christopher Walken, Jay Moore, former Saturday Night Live star, does a great Walken, and he had a crazy story. What did you think of that, Jay Moore's impersonation? I thought it was good, especially it's about one of my favorite bands, too, Foo Fighters. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a different, that's a different impersonation. No. <laughs> it's, 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 it's along the same lines, Mark. Don't challenge me on this. I'll dig your eyeballs out. <laughs> So, since you're here, why don't you tell the folks how they can get uh, some of the great hot sauce? Well, they need to start using the codes. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what's wrong with this audience, but if you use Walkin' Fire or Walkin' Q, you get a free bottle with any order. Or 20% off, or 21% off. I mean, it's a full 21. It's a great deal. Yeah. By just using the codes. So, get some hot sauce and use the codes. Get with it, people. And you can also get it at your local Jewel Osco store. It's now stocked on the shelves, so go run down and get the product. If you can't, if you're out of state, out of the country, you know we have a lot of loyal listeners overseas, uh, you mm -hmm. can just get that at GiveMeTheHotSauce.com. And, you know, Chris, the story actually with Jay Moore was about would you rather be able to fly or have a tail? That was the story that, that was on the, the latest impersonation. And Chris said he'd rather have a tail. Yeah, it's because it's about having kittens. Stacey, oh my God, Stacy, okay. he's, he's dying here. I, this is unbelievable. He's trying to back to another story. First, he sticks a knife he's in your back. Now he's blowing your impersonation. I mean, what's oh, going on here? It's been a rough wow. week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm falling apart at the seams. Hey, baby, tap out, baby, tap yeah. out. UFC, tap right. out. <laughs> well, unfortunately, we're going to go from that disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Something that's a very serious topic is uh, Stacy tries to get his composure back. The big story um, in the sports world came from Northwestern this week where head coach Pat Fitzgerald was fired 
because of the fact that there was an ongoing hazing scandal going on. And, and Stacy, I know that, you know, you've played at all levels of basketball and, and there's, there's always a rite of passage for young guys trying to come up and challenge the older guys in the program. But when you see stuff going on that was reported in the investigation at Northwestern, you know, talks about, you know, naked guys and, and sexual acts and, and, you know, the whole thing was, was really sordid. And Pat Fitzgerald said he didn't know about any of this going on in his program. And, but the reason he lost his job is because he's the, CEO of that program, and and it's his job to know. What what was your whole take in that situation? Well, very disappointing. Um, you know, because it, it's it's you know we live in a different time and different era now. You know, uh, back when I played and was coming up as a freshman in college, and then being a rookie in the NBA. Um, you know, we were we we had rookie responsibilities. You know, we had to go buy newspapers for the veteran players. We had to buy dinner for players, um, go get the luggage, go get balls. I mean, we had to do all that stuff. And you had to do it your whole rookie season until the following year when you were not a rookie. Um, so that was something that we were used to doing as a freshman, same thing. You know, we had to do a lot of different things as freshmen. Um, and that's just part of it, but we didn't have to do anything like for what I saw was going on in Northwestern that crosses the line. You know, when you start, you know, doing the things that was reported, I wasn't there. I'm just going by what we read. Um, how as a coach, do you not know that's going on? You know, you've got assistant coaches. If players are being violated the way they were at Northwestern, I'm sure they told people. I'm sure they told some, whether it had been an assistant coach, graduate assistant, and that person had the responsibility of getting it to Pat Fitzgerald. He's ran a clean program up until now, you know, which is very surprising, especially at Northwestern, that you'd have that type of behavior going on, but it's unacceptable. And, you know, and if you're the coach, you know, it falls on you. Barry Switcher, I go back to like 19, the, the middle of the 80s, 86, 87, 88. Oklahoma had a lot of lawlessness going on. You had the Bos Bosworth was there doing his thing. Um, you had players shooting guns in the in the dormitory, shooting each other. Uh, you had, you know, you had rape going on. There was a lot of things going on in the campus. And as, as good as Barry Switcher was, Barry Switzer was the king of OU football. And when all this stuff was going on, it was under his watch. And he got forced out of being the head coach of Oklahoma football because you had, if you remember, you know, we had the quarterback who I grew up with, Charles Thompson, was on the cover of Sports Illustrated in a, in a jumpsuit because he just got arrested for selling narcotics. And um, this all this was going on at the same time. And Barry Switzer had to pay the price. He lost his job. His coaching staff lost their jobs because the institutional, uh, they lack institutional control. And Pat Fitzgerald was the same way because this could not have gone on him not knowing at least one story because there's a multiple of people that came up and said this. And I don't know how, as a coach, how do you not know? Same thing with, you know, you go look at um, Joe Paterno, you know, Sandusky. How do you not know that's going on all right. these years? You know what I'm saying? And you turn a blind eye to it and all these young boys were affected by it. And you can't tell me that you didn't know because coaches has been proven coaches had came up assistant coaches, graduate assistants told paternal what was going on. And he chose not to do anything about it until he was forced to do it. And then he got, he had to forcefully resign. So yeah, it falls on the coach's lap. Have you ever heard any stories at any level of high school, college or NBA about hazing that it was, uh, you know, dangerous or, 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 or sort of <clears throat> anyway. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I heard some things at the high school level um, in the high school in my area that they were doing that, you know, doing like really excessive things with, you know, sexual things, broomsticks and stuff like that to younger players. And um, I thought that was appalling, you know, uh, hazing hazing into that magnitude is is unnecessary you know if you want to you want to make a younger player run more you want to make a younger player bring your cleats to the field bring your helmet carry your gear to the field that's one thing you know you want to make a, a young player go grab a bat you know grab the luggage off the turnstile put it on the plane that's one thing uh go get me coffee that's one thing but when you start doing this weird stuff you know the sexual uh and, and testing a person's manhood by doing things to them and uh, exposing them to things like that, that's that's a bunch of BS. And, you know, that could go sour because you could have a person, you know, have that happen to them that could be traumatized and, you know, maybe take their life because they can't live with that type of situation. And that's why it, it makes no sense that coaches don't spend more time with their players. And at the college level, you have to, Mark. You, as a coach, you have to have your – pulse of your team because you got guys going to study hall. You got to make sure guys go to class. You got to make sure guys are doing what they're supposed to do off the court. If they get in trouble, if they're outside at a club, they get in trouble. The coach is the first one that knows about it. So you can't tell me Pat Fitzgerald did not know what was going on at Northwestern. You just can't tell me because he's that powerful of a guy. He's been there for a long, long time. He's a former player. He, he knew that was going on. He just chose not to do anything about it, and it cost him his job. And he may not get another one after this. Well, Tim, you got Northwestern ties. I mean, they have that uh, beautiful football facility along the lakefront that costs you know, tens of millions of dollars, and they're supposed to renovate the stadium. Now there's mm -hmm. some talk that maybe that project could be shut down because a lot of the faculty and alumni are saying, why should we invest more money on a, on a football program that's run amok? And we should point out they were 1-11 last year and, and have struggled the last three or four years. Uh, what's the future of the Northwestern football <coughs> program now? Well, they still say they're going to name it after Pat Ryan, and uh, but it could have been, yeah, Fitzfield. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's a real disaster because at the end of the day, you may be looking at multiple breaches of contract that cost the school tens of millions of dollars because you're going to have to settle. You can't drag this out. And then you have, yeah, a football program that now is destroyed for, you know, to rebuild that, you're looking at three, four years. And Stacy, Pat was supposed to coach his son this year. His son was yeah, a freshman yeah. tight end. How do you go home and tell your kid, well, uh, I lost my job? I mean, it's, it's, there's just so many bad things that go along with this story. And, you know, I f covered Fitz when he was a player at Northwestern and always enjoyed talking with him. He, I always thought he was a stand-up guy. But mm -hmm. if you don't know what's going on inside the walls of your own program, you know, shame on you. Yeah, but there's, you know, some of these things that and the investigation did show that he didn't know, at least that's what it came out to be. And it's a pretty small percentage. And I don't really know what the damages are. There could be something that's much uglier there. I don't know. But sometimes uh, is there overreaction? Is there a chance to fix something? Do they ever get that opportunity? But in today's world, as Stacey was saying, it doesn't matter where there's smoke, there's fire and you're just gone. It's a it's a damn shame. Yeah. And, and listen, I mean, I've always thought he's a stand-up guy. I mean, I don't know him personally, um, but I always thought he was a stand-up guy. He turned the program around, had some success in his tenure. But at the end of the day, you know, you as a parent, I'm giving you my kid for four years to take care of them, to watch out for them, to make sure that not only they get their degrees, that they become upstanding 
human beings. So I'm trusting you as a parent to take care of my kid. Think about all those parents that their kids were victimized and think about how they're feeling right now, whether, whether we don't know the extent of everything that went on, but imagine what parents are thinking. I trusted you with my kid for four years. You told me you were going to take care of my kid. You told me that my kid is in great hands with you. You're going to make sure he gets his degree. You're going to make sure that he you know, handles his business and he's going to be an upstanding citizen when he's done playing here. Well, you lied to me. My kid was victimized. My kid was traumatized. My kid was taken advantage of and no one did anything about it. And no one, no one, no one looked out for him. So imagine the outrage of those parents right now, Mark, if that was one of our kids. I mean, I've been in there. I might be going to jail right now. And, and I think that is the problem because what I was just saying is that if you just replace something, is it, is it worse now because it's such in shambles? And, and a guy who gets credited for turning around the entire athletic system of that of i mean they've won other titles now in other sports because of what's been built there now it's yeah and this story is just gone. beginning we're going to be hearing a lot more about this in the in the weeks and months ahead because of course fitz is pursuing legal action to make sure that he gets mm-hmm. all the money that was left on his contract well, hopefully it doesn't get uglier is, is what i'm yes. saying that it's not yeah, absolutely that there is just smoke and not as much fire. yeah we just we just wish the best for all those families that were affected yeah, no question terrible. about it hey we had so much fun with john stark so we ran a little bit long today so we're gonna we're gonna hold our recommendations on, on what we're watching we'll we'll save those up for next week but we do want to tell you about our great sponsor of that segment biggers mazda their sizzling new elgin location at randall road is the biggest mazda store in the state of illinois biggers is offering a bottle of stacy's signature hot sauce with first test drives of new or pre-owned vehicles it's your choice everything from the coolest suvs to the stunning miata so join the fun at 2100 randall road in elgin at biggers mazda tell them that timmy whispers sent you stacy you wanted to uh, where's your guy mike uh, what's he doing with a uh, a little bit of time off as you're recuperating here. Well, Mike is in uh, London right now following Bruce Springsteen. He's supposed to come back. Uh, I think he's coming back on Saturday, so we get back. Uh, then next week I'll be back in studio, baby. Oh, I'm on my Rocky Balboa workout right now. <laughs> I'm coming back, baby. I'm coming back, baby. And then uh, we may have to relocate Tim because, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, you no, might get a throat punch. Well, yeah, he's going to get a multiple. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first one, as we know. Yes, yes. I'm going to have to re- I'm going to have to reevaluate my friendships, who my friends are on that show. So, Whispers, why don't you tell the folks how they can get the great service, Windy City Limousine? Oh, man. Thank Just you. read it your normal voice. Your your Tim, your your Chris Chris <laughs> yeah, walking sucks today. Just this yeah, much too much, Mike Tyson. Too much to do, Joe Pesci. <laughs> no, we're we're just gonna take a pass on any of them today. My voice is worn out from this week. Um, where where is this? Oh, there it is. Jeez. Windy City Limousine provides championship service, making reservations so easy it's a slam dunk. Let Windy City break the full court pressure of traffic and get you to your destination in style and on time. Contact us at 847-916-9300. It's WindyCityLimousines.com. You kind of garbled the phone number, 847-916-9300 for the best service. Way to go, Mark. Wasn't that the same number? Got to bail you out. Got to have a professional jump in every now and again. Well, that's true. He's he's, he's too busy. He's too busy trying to to start some stuff with me. That's why he sucks. Yeah, God don't like ugly, Tim. That's why you got cursed right there. I got a voodoo doll. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah, yeah. Well, Stacey, you're looking good. You're sounding great. Hey, by the way, I love that Chicago hat. That is cool. 
that is that is really a good look as we get ready for uh, another Chicago Bulls season right around the corner. Glad to have Stacy back. Sounding great. We'll have him in studio next week. We're going to kind of shift the focus a little bit to the start of the NFL season. The Bears report to training camp at Hallis Hall on July 25th. So we're going to be talking a lot of football in the coming weeks. So look forward to that. We want to thank John Starks. We want to thank the Sriracha crew. And we will be back at you with a new show next week. So Stacy, got any message for the folks on the way out? Drive home safely, Chicago. Beep, beep. Oh, my goodness. It's only preseason, but I'm high-peeled. Fuck. Jimmy G. Oh, Buckets.